are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to speak tonight on something that I used to hear as I grew up on the farm. And uh, probably not new to at least the old timers. And that is, and it was repeated many times, you can't keep a good man down. But what is a good man? He's a God man. But the Bible is filled, and I've chosen seven or eight tonight of men that looked like we're down for the count. But they were not in Exodus. Chapter 1 will be our first text. Chapter 1 and verse 12. You recognize this as the people of God that have been in captivity for 430 long years. They went to Egypt for bread and stayed till they were dead. I mean spiritually. And that's what happens every time. No Christian can live long in Egypt. But they increased, and God kept his promise. Seventy went down, and in 430 years, we're told that they numbered about 3,500,000. Now, the blessings of the Lord and his protection and his maximum security department was the secret of these dear people surviving. They had taskmasters. Uh, they um, started out, as I said, according to verse uh, 5, with 70 souls. And um, in all those generations, God stood by them. Now then, they've gotten to be in a dangerous proportion. The Egyptians are beginning to get afraid. You know, I certainly don't, uh, I probably won't run this rabbit all the way to the hole, but uh, at least I'll run him a little. You reckon what happened maybe when the slave ships come over here? How come them to come? Who brought the slaves over here? Have you ever heard of the problem of, of integration and discrimination? And uh, have you ever heard of old Mexico and all sorts of nice people coming from old Mexico? What I'm going to say now, and I'll leave it at that. We sure ought to have been winning those people when we got them. I got a letter from a man in the prison, I guess 30 of them, in the mail today that I was looking at. And he said, you know, I guess it took all this to make me see that I want to leave the sinners and go to the winners. That's God's people. He said, I don't want to be among the winners. I've been among the losers and the sinners all my life. 
And you know, it looks like we may get them in. I have two meetings. Oh, that is a meeting with two parole officers here from uh, representing people from out-of-state and in-state and uh, people are requesting. Um, fact is, we could fill a tremendous dormitory if we were to be able to take all the people that have asked us. I guess it number in the hundreds right now. That's a tremendous ministry to get people from the prison and uh, bring them in and lead them to Christ, strengthen them. Some of them are being saved, not many, but some are being saved in the prison. But you know, the fellow that stole the uh, uh, backhoe and truck and front end loader and all that kind of stuff, uh, I got word this week that it looks like uh, we better get ready because they think the judge is going to release him to us. Now, one of two things. We've either got to win him to Christ or lock the back hole. But we win him to Christ, he'll run it for us. We get ourselves in trouble for one reason. We do not win the people to Christ. The girls we do not win, the boys we do not win to Christ. They're the ones that give us the problems. Evangelism is our native breath. I mean, when we get saved, the woman at the well got saved, started winning souls. And that's the way it ought to be. When somebody gets saved, they ought to immediately tell, I spoke preached today on that subject, didn't intend to, about go fishing, go to the sea, go to the sea. And then open the fish's mouth. Let him talk. You're going to hook a sinner, get him saved, reel him in, let him tell about it. Now, verse 12 in chapter 1 of the book of Exodus they got some hard taskmasters. And they sent them over to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python, Ramesses. But notice verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now, the first thing they did they set hard taskmasters over them. They said, let's put it on them. And they, but the more they afflicted them, the more they grew. All right. The second step. The second step. Uh, they called in the uh, midwives, Shifra and uh, Tua, and uh, said, now look here. These um, Hebrew babies are coming and rapid proportions and they're on the end. Now, I want you to see that every male baby is killed in delivery. Now, look to me like that was a, that was a sure thing. Did you know that? Now, watch it tonight, my dear friends. Oh, I tell you, when I read passages like this, I realize there's some hope for my case. And, and he said, now, do, do you, do you midwives, y'all understand it? Yes, sir. Now, you, you got your signal. You know what to do now. I didn't tell you to kill the little girls, but I told you to kill the boys. Now, you understand? I said, yes, sir. We understand. Okay. They got the order straight. But the Bible said they refused to do it. They broke the law. Hmm? Now, they must not have been a member of the ERA. Because they didn't believe in killing babies. 
That'd be all right. Just go sudden move the body. Get all that straight. Now, wouldn't you? Wouldn't even have to go to the New Testament. I mean, just a couple of old simple midwives. Never had been off to college. Didn't send high school. And there they were waiting on a bunch of slave women. And yet they said, it's not right. And we fear God. And we're not baby killers. And we're not going to do it. That took some courage. I'd like to meet them when I get to heaven. That's the kind of women we need. Oh, listen. Strange things happen, some of which I'll tell you about. Maybe tomorrow night's survey. The more they affected them, the more they multiplied and grew. Now then, the third step, they're really getting drastic now. Boy, listen. Uh, the old king called those two women in, midwives in, and said, all right, come in here. Said, why have you not killed those little babies like I told you to? And, uh, and beat around the bush just a little bit. And uh, they said, um, the, now you get this, it's a good text. The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. That's good. I tell you what, uh, looks to me like we ought to tell the Hebrew women from the Egyptian women today. But did you know Hollywood sets the pattern for every woman on the face of this earth? And Paris, France, and a bunch of heathens, and a bunch of husbands like that. Well, just women. You, you go to store, and you can't buy anything. If you buy the style, you're going to look like Egypt. That's the reason it's absolutely necessary for a woman to learn to sew. You can't go down and... In the first place, if you go to mall, you're going to be at a rock and roll festival all the time you're there. That's enough to make you uh, lose the joy of your salvation right there while you're shopping. And the next thing is to see all the junk they got hanging around that's not fit for anybody to wear. What in the world are we going to do? Unless we start building our own city, doing our own sewing, and then uh, have the right kind of place to live. The world is at its worst, and Christians are being sucked under. You know, isn't it strange? They call America a Christian nation, but you can't go in one business place or ride one airplane or go in the dentist office or go in a doctor's office where they'll pray to the old rugged cross. I'll ever be true. Majestic sweetness sits enthroned upon. To me, that'd be peaceful. Man. If he's fixing to pull my tooth, that'd sound good, huh? I mean, America's not a Christian nation. That's a farce. We're nothing but a bunch of heathens and liquor drinkers and note-takers and immoral, homosexual, lesbian nation. And God's sick of the whole bunch. More they afflicted them. Well, what was that next order? He just came right and said, okay, to his men. I mean, he gave instruction to one more powerful bunch of men and said, just throw them in the river. Throw them in the river. Now, you can throw a little kitten in the river, he'll swim. I mean, a kitten's born able to swim in about his dog, but brother, you throw a little baby in the river and he's gone. The most helpless thing that ever got born is a little human baby. And so they begin just toss them in, toss them in the river. Toss them in the river. And, uh, but, there was another woman, a lawbreaker. 
I guess a criminal. Baby got born. And the nurse or midwife said, sorry about that. She said, what? That's a baby boy. Huh. She said, put it in the attic. Hide the baby. It's a proper child. It's against the law. I don't care about the law. It's a bad law. I don't go with them murder laws. Huh. I tell you, there's some pretty good women over there. They have some conviction. And uh, so the mother of Moses and uh, the father of Moses said he's a proper child. And they hid him for three months. And I imagine maybe uh, they just stopped old, got pretty thick around there. And they said, we better do something about it. And the Lord gave the plan, and of course she put him in the water, but not in the river. Now, you know, a woman wrote me and said, Brother Walt, you're a lawbreaker. You're just a lawbreaker. And uh, I said, uh, uh, you said that the mother of Moses uh, was a lawbreaker. said, why, she repented and then put him in the water. That's sort of stupid, isn't it? I guarantee she had him in a boat that didn't leak a drop. She's one of the greatest boat builders ever lived. Houston Shipbuilding Corporation could profit by what she built. <laughs> she put that baby, and the, he floated out across there, and notice, she sure did put him in a nice place, didn't she? She, she just eased over there and put him in the princess's Swimming pool. Boy, that's getting up pretty close to the palace, isn't it? That's faith, isn't it? That's just faith. Ah, listen. And then I think she took her vigil in prayer and said to little Miriam, Now watch while I pray. So they watched and prayed. And sure enough, little old Moses was taken. And then, you know who became the babysitter. Moses' mother. And so, uh, that's... Um, that's, that's the first one I want to tell you about. Moses was a man that had the most checkered career probably anybody in the Bible. And at the age of 40, he decided you better get on the job. And he did and killed an Egyptian. Wound up in the wilderness for 40 long years. You said it's over. He's 50 years old, right? He's 60, that's right. Why, that old man's getting old. 75 years old. 79 at the age of 80. At the back side of the desert, he walked up to a bush that had fire in every limb and leaf. Now, you talk about a tree. That is a burning tree. He looked at it. He said, I believe we'll turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is burning but won't burn up. And God said, before you come any closer, I'd slip my sandals off my feet because you're standing on holy ground. You didn't walk up on a ham ground. He jerked them shoes off. And there's where this man took on the power from the burning bush. Got his credentials, got ordained, licensed, got his message, and took over Egypt's land. An ex-convict. You can't keep a good man down. He's up and gone. And I tell you, he took charge of Egypt when he got there. He took charge of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was hopeless and helpless. And his wise acres and soothsayers and fortune tellers and Chaldeans 
had matched the wisdom and the power of the rod that God gave Moses at the burning bush. But they were no match for that rod and the power of God. As we walk through the Bible, we find a man that was named Joseph. May not put these in order, but Joseph was the lost cause and lost case. He was a little boy. His whole family turned against him. You know, a lot of people say, I can't make it because my daddy's not the right kind of man. Oh, yes, you can. Some of you little old girls come in discouraged and want to quit and give up and commit suicide and cut your blood veins and bleed to death because your mama run off. Why, well, listen, you can still make it. Ms. Olaf told me about somebody, and I don't remember as well as she does, but uh, back yonder when we were coming up, one of the most uh, popular movie stars, oh, listen, writer and everything. I mean, she was the pebble on the beach. Of popularity and everybody. I mean, her name was, was, I mean, on the horizon of the newspapers and across this country and her generation. And uh, a little while later, all of her books, all of her writings, all, everything, she killed herself. She committed suicide. Her family, one of the most popular families the world has ever known, her daughter, killed herself. And two of her boys went to insane institutions. That's four in the family of popularity. Did you know that most people cannot stand two things, popularity or prosperity? It'll kill them every time. You know why God won't let more Christians be rich, have a lot of money? They couldn't take it. Be the most selfish. Listen, and they throw their authority and weight, and they just be in the way. I've been praying the Lord make me, and I maybe will one of these days. But I've been praying He'd make me fit to handle a lot of money. I mean, without want to hang on to it. I want to help people, and God, I believe, knows that. And one of these days, God's going to give me. I mean, He's going to give me semi loads of money. You say I don't believe. Well, hang around, unbeliever. Dear Thomas, show up! Now, I don't believe I'd have a right to ask for it if I wanted to buy me a new suit. I don't need no new suits. I don't want to ever wear anybody's clothes except Jim Taylor's. i got enough to last me the rest of my life as long as I don't put on a lot of weight. I tell you what's wrong with most of us. We just want something for ourselves. And we lose everything worth living. Little old preacher ran up to me here good many months ago. He said, Brother Olaf, I wish I had the connection you've got. <laughs> I said, if you know the Lord, you do have it. Son, oh, he said, I'm looking for my brothers. They pulled me up there, and I, I came up to see him bring them some provisions. Well, he said they'd gone on up to check them, and he'd been circling down Dothan there for a while. And so he, when he showed up, you know, he's a boy that dreams so many dreams, and his brother got jealous of him. His own daddy rebuked him at the breakfast table and told him, Soon the sun and the moon and the stars is going to all be a bowing to Mr. Joseph. And the daddy said, That's enough of that. 
I mean, just like my daddy used to say, dry up. And Brother Drought started. And uh, there he is. Now then, that little old boy, he's gone to look for his brother. He's having a good time. Can't you see him watching the rabbits and looking at the coyotes and watching the deer run and everything? And he's loaded, got some sacks and maybe satchels and maybe a basket or two. And he's loaded. And he comes up. And the old shepherd said, Hey, son, what you doing? And well, he said, I'm looking for my brother. Have you seen him? He said, They're going up to another grazing ground, son. You'll find it. He took off and he said, Thank you. I appreciate that. And he went up there. And then sure enough, here are these big old brothers of his. Brother. He said, Down he comes. That's old Joe. That's a little dreaming Joe. All right, they said. Oh, brother. Now, you talk about trouble. Listen, they said, let's kill him. Just get rid of him. We'll stop his dreams. He's been telling about all of his dreams. One of them said, no. Said, let's don't kill him. His blood be on our hands. And we'd all be murderers. And you know what our dad thinks about him. I mean, he's dad's favorite child. And he's the son of his old age. And man, look at all them special rompers he's been wearing. I mean, you know, boy, we better not. I couldn't do that. I'd never be able to face dad. If I, but I'll tell you what we can do. We can put him in the pit. We just drop him in the pit. And so, of course, you know that there's some mighty scene that took place when they took that little old boy, you know. And he thought they was playing, I'm pretty sure. And they just kind of tossed him over in the pit. And that little boy looking up crying. You'd have to admit he's down, wouldn't you? Now the question is, is he going to stay down? And so the old boys are sitting around the bonfire, fixing their evening meal. And they look up and see the camels coming. Ishmaelite slave traders are moving along. And one of them said, hey, uh, we're not making anything on old Joe. Let's sell him. I mean, that'll wind him up, sure enough. Let's sell him. I said, okay, boy. They run down and said, okay, Joseph, come on out. They lifted him out and they said, thank you, boy. <laughs> you sure had me scared there for a little while. And they looked the tears all over his face and sand, I guess. Man, he'd cry. Don't you mind? I'd, I'd have been crying. I mean, I'd have been a blue-hood. My brothers throw me in the pit and all that bunch went off leave me and couldn't even eat supper with them, come up and brought the belongings from them, the food and everything. They're eating it up from me and had me in the pit. Well, that's sad. And so, uh, they got him out of the pit and I think they washed his face off a little and combed his hair and got him out there and said, Hey, man, would y'all like to have a nice slave? Joseph said, what are you talking about me? And uh, they think of that younger brother. Why, they said, yes, let's take a look at him. And they looked at little old Joseph standing there. And they said, I believe we'll take him. How much you want for him? They reached in the pocket and doled out the money and put him in chains. And that little old boy, I imagine, cried again, didn't he? And down the road he goes. Just a slave. You'd have to admit he's down, wouldn't you? I mean, you don't go much. He's, and he's going down to Egypt. Now, you talk about going among the heathens. He's going among the heathens. I mean, what chance is there for a little boy to survive in such a slave surrounding and he got out there and little old Joseph met a man by the name of Mr. Potiphar. And Joseph got a job. I don't know, might have been cleaning out the hog thing. But I'll tell you one thing, he cleaned it out. 
Might have been sucking corn, but he shucked it. Shelling. Might have been cleaning out the barn or something. But he did. And Potiphar said, Son, you're a pretty good boy. You're you one of my best. I don't think I've ever had a slave that worked as many hours and uh, found so many jobs and did so many good things. He said, I like to work. You know, I've been taught to work. And uh, I just, it makes me pass the time away a little better, you know, if I stay busy. He said, you got something else for me to do? Well, he said, no, not now, but I'll look. And he kept on and kept on. And listen, first thing you know, he's setting up in the office of the big house. That's a little joke. I want you to know, he, listen, he said, now he might have got him some glasses. I don't know. He got a pencil going. And look out! The dreams are coming true. The little boy! He's coming on up. You can't keep a good boy or a good man down. He's coming up. After a while, pulled apart. Said, son, I've got to go on a long business journey and I'm going to turn everything over to you. Understand? He said, yes, sir. He said, I'll, I'll look after it. And Boy, the one thing about it, there was a woman in that house that was as wicked as a, a Hollywood woman or some... Listen, she began to make eyes at that fine, handsome young man that's gotten grown. The business executive for Mr. Poudifar. And Joseph kept his distance. And the Bible said after a while she talked to him. And he refused. Now that ruined his chances with her. But it sure did put him in good shape with God. That ruined him with time, but set him up for eternity. And so she was she was humiliated. They're overtures of what the boys and girls and people now call love had been spurned. Lord have mercy. I'll wait till tomorrow night to give it. I tell you there's some things taking place in the name of love today. You know, to me, there's a penicillin love. That's the kind that winds them up in the doctor's office. They call it love. That's nothing but sin. Filth and dirt. (laughs) This, uh, well, lady connected with our president said that when you meet Jesus and you learn to love him, then it's easy to go out and have a love affair with somebody to express the love you have for Jesus. Now, that's rotten. Ah, listen, my dear friend, little old Joseph, finally, he had to run for his life and lost his coat. But he kept his character. And she kept his coat and hung it up in her room. And after a while, Mr. Potiphar came back and said, how'd everything go? 
Well, she said uh, pretty good until this little uh, little flirt that you've got in here made his attack on your wife. He said you don't mean it. Why? You don't mean Joseph? Why? Well, said who else could I mean? Who did you turn everything over to except your wife? And that young man came in here. Here's the evidence. Here's what he left. Oh, this is what it... He had... Hey, listen. Boy, that man was so disappointed. I think he pushed a button and got his bodyguard or secret police or who and said, go get him and take him to jail. Little old Joseph heads off and said, sir, I'm not guilty. I'm just... I'm not... But I'll go. And he went down to the jailhouse. And he got down there and sat down in the jail and said, I've had it. I mean, this is it. Man, my own family turned against me, threw me in the pit, sold me to a bunch of slaves as a slave, and here I have been faithful, ran from a wicked woman, wouldn't succumb to her dirty overtures of sin. I'm quit. No, he didn't quit. He said to the man in charge, is there a mop around here? You got a scrub bucket? Little salt? Anybody got a road spray? Let's clean up, boys! Uh, <laughs> you can't keep a good man back. Ah, uh, listen. You say, yeah, but he just, uh, he just working in the jail. I know it. I know it. But he's working. You boys get that here. And so, he cleaned that jail up. I want you to know, it didn't even smell like a jailhouse. And one day, with the confidence of all of his jail buddies, one of them said, I dreamed a dream. He said, yeah. And Joseph said, I did too. <laughs> I dreamed a bunch of them. They haven't come true yet, but they will. I mean, I'm going a long way around to get there, but I'm going to get there one these days. And uh, he said, what'd you dream? Well, he said, I dream. Oh, he said, say, boy, that's good. You can get your job back. You, you fixing to be the, 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 the butler again. I mean to tell you, you're going to get to go right back to where you're going to get your old job back. He said, man, I appreciate that. So sure enough, here they come. Bill Smith, bring your thing. Oh, he grabbed this little old extra shirt on. He said, yes, sir. He said, uh, they're calling for you. You're going back to your old job. He said, amen. Good. Joseph, I appreciate that. Thank you. Man, I... Joseph said, hold on just a minute. He said, don't forget old Joe when you get up there. Oh, you're going to be back up close to the authority. I mean, you're going to be top, uh, you know, uh, round on ladder. Now, you don't forget me, will you? You know, I don't want to make a career out of being in jail. This is not the fulfillment of what I dreamed and told at the breakfast table. And something, oh, he, oh, man, listen, you know how people are. I guess how could I ever forget you, Joe? I guess I will. Why, as soon as I get there, I'll say this, I'll talk to the king. I'll talk to, why, sure I will. Yeah, but he didn't. Joseph couldn't have said, now, isn't that something for you? Of course, the other old boy didn't come out too good. He said, I dreamed too. He said, yeah. He said, you think lose your head. 
They can chop your head right off. And they did. And sure enough, you know what happened, don't you? It wasn't very long until the king came to the breakfast table. And his dear faithful helper sat there and said, King, my, your honor, it seems that uh, you seem a bit worried and disturbed. He said, yep. I had some troubling dreams last night. And he said, nobody seems to be able to interpret. Oh, I do this day remember my faults. Yeah, I'm glad you do, Joe said. And he said, you know, I had a dream. And another fellow had a dream. And he lost his head and they got my job back. And he said, that fellow in the jail, I believe his name is Joseph. He's in the jail. He interpreted our dreams. He'll interpret. He said, let him be called. Here he comes. Stands in the presence. He said, I want you to tell me. He said, seven years of tremendous plenty, prosperity, such as Egypt's land has never known. And then, seven years of starvation, panic, famine. Oh, listen. Seven long years when this whole country is going to be hard hit. He said, well... And we better do something about it. And he appointed him the prime minister of all of Egypt. I want you to know, son, I give you power. You have every carpenter at your fingertips. You have every lumber yard. You have every forest. Or you can have all the lumber cuts you need. Build, build, build. Build big buildings. And let's put the store up. Let's. Load up the big buildings. Now then, you know what happened, don't you? After the famine had started the seven years of plenty, and every storage bin in Egypt is bulging full. You talk about hay, corn, oats, rye, barley. You talk about, listen, they had stuff stacked by the millions and millions of tons. And Joseph... Riding a big horse, looking at it. Said, boys, will that hold any more there? He said, not much. Said, load it up. We'll need it. Ah, listen, yes, Mr. Joseph, sure. Brother, he's riding high now. And you know what happened, don't you? Way back up in the hills, an old man has become trouble because they're out of provisions. And uh, the same boys... They threw him in the pit, sold him to the slave traders. Said, Dad, I understand there's food in Egypt. We've got the money, but we don't have access to the food. Said, Son, get your wagons ready and go. And they went down there, didn't they? Ah, came up very humbly, as only Hebrew people can. Bowed at the gate and said, Your Honor... We've come from a far country. We're starving. We're hungry. We have money, but nothing that we can buy. Oh, they said, listen, I think we can take care of that. We'll let you go in and see the prime minister. And they walked into the office, and there sat the man with the royal robe on next only to the king, and wasn't but one man hired, and that was the king. He sat there and he looked at these weary travelers and said, 
There they are. And the Bible said he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. And Joseph, I think his heart began to beat about twice as fast. And he began to fire the questions and say, Tell me about your family. Tell me about your daddy. And they said, He's old. And uh, said, Tell me about all the boys in your family. And he said, They're all in good shape except one. And he is not. <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> He's the most is, brother, you've got. Just leave that not off. What did they say? Ah, oh, you can't keep a good man there. He, he believed God. He stayed. I mean, no matter how hard. And I wish I could encourage you. Oh, let me encourage you tonight. At the stand. I went in the other day to the city of refuge. And uh, I walked in the big house and there sat my good brother, Brother Johnny Davis. And he was sitting at the desk and this was his position. It looked like he didn't even know that I'd arrived. And for a minute, I didn't say anything. I just kind of looked at him and he said to me, Brother Olaf, I'm the most discouraged preacher you've ever seen. Man, did that, I mean, that was a challenge to me. Boy, if you, listen, when you get discouraged, I don't discourage me, that gives me courage to stand by you. I said, man, let me tell you something. Uh, everything going to be off. It wasn't the moving of the city. No, I wasn't it at all. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I, I, when a man gets discouraged, when he needs help, he don't need kicking. He don't need criticizing. Uh, and I tell you what, uh, when one of our people, when one of our uh, commanders, or when one of our lieutenants uh, gets in trouble or discouraged or lonely, it's time to stay with him. You can't keep a good man down if that good man has his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what happened, don't you? After some harassing times, <laughs> some humiliating times uh, for the brothers, Joseph announced one day, everybody get out except these fellows that have come. And I want you to know, he'd already gone back uh, to his private room to cry and dry tears a number of times. And he'd come back out there and he said, well, what are you doing here, you know? Oh, of course, I think he enjoyed that a little bit. I know I would have. Big old brothers run over him like that. I'd have said, hey, boy, let me tell you something. You don't run over me no more, you know. <laughs> but he waited and finally said, everybody get out. Boy, all them people begin to get out and say, man, something wrong with Joseph. Yeah. Boy, and his brothers, I think this, hearts are skipping a beat. He said, fellas, I got something to tell you. Oh, man, they said, what's coming? See, they knew he could kill every one of them just like that. 
And you know what they said? And they didn't know he could understand the language. He said, them old chickens coming home to roost. He said, it's, it's, you, know, said what we, you know what we did to our brother? One of them said, yeah, man, I can see that anguish on his face right now. Ooh, isn't that terrible? I wish I'd never had done that. Uh-huh. And Joseph said, listen, fellas, Joseph is not dead. I'm Joseph. I'm so glad to see you. Get my dad. We're building y'all homes down here. And y'all moving in with me. Brother, you know they got scared. And and you remember when, when their daddy died, you know what they said? They said, boy, we get it now. The only reason he hadn't killed him because dad life. And said, they, you know, it, it got out what it done. And the daddy, I, I, he might have whipped all them other boys. I don't know. They had it coming. But anyhow, his daddy died, and then they said, Oh, we're going to get killed. And Joseph called him in again and said, Fellas, though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Romans 8, 28. The more they afflicted them, 1, 12. And Philippians 1, 12, Paul said, I'd Have you know? that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. And Joseph said, Fellas, the Lord just sent me ahead of you in order to preserve your life and get your smokehouse full for you. That's it. God's plan is not defeated because people don't understand it. I think I'll give you one more and we'll continue this theme next Saturday night because there's no way to take up eight of these precious friends that have been through more than we've ever been through. But I think I'll give you four young men. We ought never to tire of visiting Daniel because Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four little captured boys They were brought to a strange country. They had practically no chance. And the Bible said they refused. That's another time they they refused to eat the king's menu. The dietitian, Mr. Melzar, came in and said, Boys, you're sure fortunate to get to eat at the king's table. You see, in a moment, I'll be bringing in the choicest of his grease are meat. There is no meat like the king's meat. And Daniel looked over at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, listen, you talk about something refreshing. Wait till we get here with the king's wine. Nothing like it. They looked again and said, we're not as lucky as he thinks we are. But... Thank God they stood. Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. You know, I don't know why people have a hard time doing right when you know it's best. Isn't it one of the outstanding features of people is that their appetites are so depraved. I mean, you talk about depravity. You think of the suffering in my life for 
30 long years. You know why? I would not eat. I was not trained to eat. I was not made to eat anything that was really good for me. I mean, bread, peeled potatoes with 80% of the life gone, cream gravy, from which we get our word graveyard, and what they call pastries. And that's right, because it's made out of paste. And so for 30 years, you boys tune in. I tried to live on paste. White flour. That makes paste. That's what we used to make paste with, put a little flour and water, and we made those little circles, you know, and little chains around the schoolhouse for decorate. That's it. That's, we made our own paste back there then. And uh, 30 years. Thirty years. I just and the doctors never did do anything about it except just come, uh, you know, like I told you about old Doctor B. W. D. Hill. Why he could treat me blindfolded. He could have treated me. All he had to do was just tell Miss Royal on the phone, you know. Well, I'll send him out a third calamol. And the only other thing he said, I rather think he needs a. Compound cathartic. Now that's the biggest word he ever used. But I promise you one thing. If it was a cathartic, it was compound. (laughs) Now, those are the two first big words I ever learned the meaning of. Now, but you see... People are so... You, you said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you really mean that we're depraved in habit? Right. Most people are. The average person had rather have a greasy hamburger than a lovely salad. No health food bread? The average person had rather drink a Coca-Cola or Pepsi or R.C., than to drink a cold glass of our fruit juice right out of the valley. They'd rather drink a bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon or Pearl or some of those other sorry sisters do than to drink a glass of cold, registered, Nubian goat milk. Oh, I know what you're saying. You know why you say that? You just betrayed. You just said how depraved you are. Goat milk is Bible milk. No mucus. There's no tuberculosis in the goat. The goat is the nearest... The milk goat is the nearest thing to a mother's milk that's ever been made. And yet, rather than bring up a baby on fresh goat milk, they'll get canned milk and tabulum and a bunch of stuff that'll ruin their health when they start. You say, I don't like you preaching. I didn't ask you if you liked it. I'm just preaching the truth anyhow. Poor old ignorant to pray. I'm not through. I'm not through. Man, I look up, I see a man coming. 
in his base, I mean big fleet wood, or his Mark IV, with all of his extras on it. He cruises up in a big filling station. And boy, he every kind of light comes on and he steps outside and the man said, uh, uh, what? well, he said, fill it up. He said, with what? He said, the best you got. See? I mean, I want... That's all I burn. I got a plate in the car. Put it in. Check out oil. And the man said, all right, if you need some, I got some sitting out here in an old bucket that we drained out of an old 1962. Would you like to put a half a gun? He said, what are you talking about? Why are you crazy? Well, you don't want to be fired. You mean? And he'd eat him up alive. You say, where are you going? I'm just fixing to give you a picture. And so this elite fella walks next door. And he walks in and he said, uh, I want some gin, rum, liquor, beer. And I want. And he begins to order liquor, $25 a gallon, $30 a gallon. Give me the best you've got. Now I come up, I'm a little dumb, you know. I come up and I said, what you going to do with that? He said, do with it. Put it in my stomach. That man's crazy. I said, man, I was out there when you told him to put the right kind of antifreeze in the radiator of a Mark IV and a Fleetwood, and that thing's got a metal lining, and you just got some intestines, and man, that'll keep. He said, what are you talking about? That's none of your business. That's America, folks. Every nation, I'm through. Every nation that ever died has died drunk. One of these days, the story will be told about Pearl Harbor and about Vietnam and the dope and all the garbage cans that were set up around our bases called Bars. Where are boys? And I was out at the base not long ago with one of our girls, and we walked in the bar, and there the soldiers were sitting there, unconscious of anybody else being in the world, drinking, 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 drinking. Brother, Daniel purposed in his heart, and said, Mr. Melzar, we don't mean to be ugly. And I realize we're just your slaves. But if I'm going to make the king a good hand and be a fine boy, I've got to eat right and drink right. The man said, you know, I'll risk my job, but I'm going to... You're so sincere and you seem so dedicated and you seem so strong in your face and your eyes and evidently you've been taught right. I'll feed you what you want. He said, bring me some pulse. And they brought it and had a 10-day test and... Daniel stood and said, Are we looking? He said, You look better than all the rest of them put together. Ten times Pharaoh in good shape, brother Daniel. Not only should we eat right and drink right, we better think right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When, when the old king, you remember that? When the old king got in there and said, Fellas, we're going to sort of live it up tonight. 
I want the Rolling Stones to come and play. And we're going to have a dance around. And we're going to get all my porcupines and concubines. And we're going to all get together. And the music started and the people said, Isn't he a good king? Oh, he's a foot in the bed. Yeah, with tax money. And they're having a big time. And all of a sudden somebody nudged an old drunk king and said, Hey, you see what's on the wall? Yeah, he said it should sure he said, you better call my fortune tellers and my wiseacres and soothsayers and Chaldeans and uh, get my prognosticators in. And here they come a-trotting down the aisle, some of them too drunk to see. And he said, if y'all will, read that for me right quick. He looked at it and squinted a few times and said, I can't read a word of it. And I imagine he said, you tongue clucks, get out of here. What do you think I got you paid for? Get out! And the musician said, Would you like us to play a little? He said, No! Get out! Boy, he's throwing a fit. And in comes Sister Queen. Oh, she just danced up to him and said, Big boy, what's the matter with my hubby? You look all upset. Boy, he was upset. He had a right to be upset. He just pulled his last shindig. Oh, listen. She said, what are you worried about? Well, she said, it's a strange writing on the wall. Can you read it? No. She said, it looks funny to me. It's peculiar. Yeah, that's God's handwriting, boy. <laughs> and so she said, but I tell you what, just don't be disturbed about it. Because we sure do have a boy in the kingdom that uh, is... Filled with the gods. She got too many gods mixed up. Just one. He said, do you know? said, let him be called. Let him be called. And sure enough, in comes. How comes your boy? How comes your boy without beer on his breath? How comes your boy without grease dripping off his chin? Come on, smart Alex. Laugh about that now. He needed help. He got it. Old Dan come walking in there. And he not out of breath. Good say. He said, did you call for me? He said, yes, I called for you. He said, uh, what would you like? He said, writing on the wall. Old Dan smiled about that big. He said, that reminds me of a letter from home. <laughs> Man, that looks like, well, I'm used to that. That's all I read in my fireplace up there. <laughs> I see it. Old King said, said, read it to me. Old knees are bouncing and jumping. He said, read. He said, no. I mean, uh, just don't get in too big a hurry. The, the ball's over. Except what you fixing the ball. I mean, the dances, the musicians have all scattered. And I noticed a bunch of half-empty liquor bottles are sitting here. And I noticed that, uh, hey, looky here, Mr. King. Daniel's got enough to be bold with now. He realizes the judgment of God is coming. He walks around the communion table of what used to be. He said, where'd you get these glasses, these golden cups? Well, he said, uh, we were having such a big time. We sent up to uh, the temple and we thought it would be a special privilege for all of my concubines and guests to drink. Mm-hmm. Daniel said, those belong to God, God's people. 
bad enough to drink your rot gut liquor? How do you go on but when you get God's cup, you've gone too far? Yeah, I think he got mad, David. Jimmy, I think he got mad. Had a right to get mad. Preach. Any preacher can't get mad ought to be killed. Hang it! Ah, uh, listen. That little old boy's grown up now. Shouting around. And he said, the king said, well, go ahead and tell me what he said. I'll tell you when I get ready. He said, your dad had a kingdom, didn't he? He said, yeah, he had a kingdom. What did I do that? No, Lord. He said, you hold on. You fasten your seat belt. We got stormy weather now. Fact is, we're going through a mighty cyclone and you ain't going to make it. Now, he said, your daddy had a kingdom whom he would have slew, whom he would have put down and he set up, and he kept alive and he killed you. know that? He said, yeah. And one day, God reached over and got him in the nap of the neck, tossed him off in the cow pasture, and he ate grass like the oxen till his body was wet with the dew of heaven, and his hair grew like a hippie. That's right, looked like bird feathers. And his fingernails looked like little old silly girls' claws. Oh, listen. Now then, he said, you just better sit down somewhere. I'm ready to read. He said, your kingdom's going to be divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Oh, you've been so proud of your kingdom. The old Assyrian army is marching towards your gate, just outside now. Great big old soldiers, and you've been in here dancing and drinking out of those sacred vessels. And he said, God's not going to only get your kingdom, he's going to get you tonight. Your next stop will be the king's cemetery. There's not enough merit. You're weighed in the balances and found wanting. And I ask you one question, I must close. If you stepped over tonight on the king's scales, I'm asking you one thing. Would you balance the scales? Are you too wicked and too full of unbelief and sin? And you'd say, Lord, I don't even believe in you. And the old scales, Jesus on one side and you on the other. Down you go, brother. Do you know him? You men sitting out there tonight. I'm not just playing church tonight. I'm not just playing a sermon tonight. This happened in the Bible and we're fixing to see it happen again. Judgment is coming again. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.